morning. I'm a little better than the first service. I had to get them to say it twice. Glad you're here this morning. And uh, I do want to say, listen, as far as I know, every team is meeting today. Every single ministry team at 2911 is meeting today at 4 Test did I, did I not turn it on? Or maybe, okay. Um, so if you think yours isn't, ask your skipper. But I believe every single team is meeting, so please be here. We got a lot of stuff we got to get done for God. And I do want to say a thank you, big thank you. Last year, uh, the church, uh, you gave us um, several, uh, you gave offerings or somehow raised this and, and gave us a, uh, a gift, an appreciation gift, sent us on a trip. And we finally got to take that uh, this past week. And, uh, but we had uh, an awesome time. You know what we did? We sat and watched the waves, and we shopped, and we ate, ate seafood, and we slept, and that was about it. And it was an awesome, an awesome vacation. And uh, so we, uh, we really appreciate so much uh, of you doing that for us. And uh, glad that you're here today. But, um, you know, other than that, it's kind of been a week, hasn't it? Look back at the stuff that happened, transpired. You know, we, uh, we left town about the time word was breaking. We got, we got down to um, Orange Beach and heard the news from Tuscaloosa. And we thought that was bad, all those injuries. And we got home and woke up on Friday morning and heard the news from Colorado. You know what, if we're not careful, fear, as, as uh, Britain was reading that scripture, that darkness, if we're not careful, that will even invade us as Christians bind us and make us begin to fear as well. He, t- he talked a little bit in the early service when he, he read, he talked a little bit about light, light and dark and about how dark has no power. You know, you know something? Darkness is not a real thing. Do you know that? You know, light is a real thing. You know, we got something under the stage here we call the dungeon. And you've probably never been to the dungeon. <clears throat> it gets real dark in the dungeon. <laughs> uh, most ladies don't like to go down the dungeon. Sometimes we have to go to the dungeon and get some, you know, but right, right, and it gets really, really dark right here. Now, David, if I ask you, go around through the door and bring us, bring us a little bit of dark. How would you bring dark into this room? You can't, it's not a thing. Are you listening to me? Darkness is not a real thing. But if I told somebody, if we blacked out all the windows and we turned off all the lights and it was pitch dark in here and I said, somebody, go bring us some light. How many of you could find some light? Light's a real thing. And you know what would happen? It would only take one candle lit in this room to start dispelling all the darkness. It would take a moment maybe for your eyes to begin to adjust. But after that light began to feel, I know that because I've come in, I've had, I've come in here before at night, you know, and need something up here on the stage and walk in the door and say, ah, I don't need the light, you know, and get halfway up here, you know, and start tripping over some of this stuff. And I turn on my cell phone, just get a little bit. That's all it takes. Because light is a real thing. All darkness is is the absence of light. Light is a real thing, but darkness is just the absence of light. So the only thing you have to do to get rid of darkness is just shine your light. And we are not of that kingdom. And I, 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 lo- I just love how God just does these things. I mean, Jamie uh, picked this song, song set uh, several weeks ago. I, I know I saw it last week before any of this happened, before I even knew I was preaching this message today about this. The first song talked about our God reigns. He's on the throne. 
Thank God he is the one that's on the throne. Not somebody else's God, not this, not this uh, ruler of darkness. No, God's on the throne. And that second song about how he's, he's seated high, but he is the one who's delivered us out of darkness. And then the scripture that God led, uh, led Britain to this morning, I meant, you know, uh, that. Uh, who, who should we fear? Who should we be afraid of? I, I meant everything, God putting all this together. And there's so many things that, uh, I might not say it as often as I did in the first service, so many times in this message that I'm going to have to refer back to some of the stuff that John preached last Sunday. I mean, God is just letting us know all of this and all of this and all of this. We don't have anything to fear. We don't have anything to fear. We're not of that kingdom. Colossians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 13, says, He has taken us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into a kingdom that is light, the kingdom of His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. That's the kingdom that you and I, we belong to, we exist in, we live in. I know, I know darkness may be all around us, but we live in the kingdom of light. And so uh, Friday morning, I came home from, uh, we came home Thursday from the little short vacation and had a message I was working on getting ready and woke up Friday morning to the news and it kind of, that message kind of changed direction. So I had to rework it and it was late getting it to Mike Friday night. Saturday morning I woke again and I woke up again and I just, it just wasn't quite, wasn't, just didn't quite feel like that was the message for this weekend. And I read a couple of articles and boom, God started speaking to me. And so yesterday, I, yesterday I, wrote an, an entirely different sermon. I don't, I don't think this one is even, I know this, this one isn't even 24 hours old yet still. So this is a brand new message from, from a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with. So, and because it's not just a shooting in Colorado or Tuscaloosa. And it's not just uh, a couple of little girls, you know, snatched and their bicycles left by a lake. Or these kids being snatched out of their bedrooms in the middle of the night. You know, it, it, it's not just that, but I came home Thursday with just a heaviness for the marriages in our church. This is, this is a church, and listen, any time, any time that you are a church that wants to reach the unchurched, hey, you know what you're going to end up with? You're going to end up with a church full of problems because you were ending up with people that have been sowing all kind of wild oats and seeds out there, and you got to help them kind of get rid of all that. And so, you know, I embrace that, but at the same time, my heart is heavy for you. So I know that some of, some of you, your marriages, you're struggling, and you're fighting just to, to keep some things because of all this junk in your past, and, and so I've got a heavy heart. So it's, it's not just the shooting there. There is a real dark night that is patrolling this nation. And he's not just shooting up theaters and bars. He wants to destroy marriages and children. He wants to destroy our lives. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into this message. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, that I am not a part of the kingdom of darkness. God, you have taken us from that kingdom and you have put us in your kingdom, a kingdom of light, a kingdom that dispels all the darkness around us. And God, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just guide us in this message. Lord, challenge someone. Lord, please help some dad, God, step up to the place he's supposed to be. Help some, help some mom start praying the prayers again that she should have been praying a long time ago. Help, help some teenager, God, turn some stuff around, God, and start living for them, stop living for themselves and start living for you again, Lord. And I don't just mean on Sunday. I mean living, living, living for you, God. 
God, I pray in Jesus' name, let it be done. Let, let today be a new beginning for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm just having a hard time getting to my message in this, this morning in this service. Pretty much none of what I just told you were, were then notes. Let me tell you this, just before we get to our scripture. Almost every time, I, I almost said every time, I, I, can, I cannot think of a time that this isn't true, but I'm, let me just, just, just to be safe, let me just say almost every time that I've ever preached on Satan, I have fought hell getting to church. I fought hell during the preparation, or I fought hell trying to preach the message or something. Because he doesn't want to be exposed. Let me tell you something. I hadn't fought a lot in this. I, I, I really fully expected, I fully expected a heaviness to come over the services because I expected that, you know what, you know what just, you know what just, I just felt in my spirit, just God speak to me just a few moments ago, standing there when all of you were worshiping, and I, I kind of kind of got into something with God there for a moment, and God was just, just spoke to me, and he said, you know, you know, the devil doesn't care that you preach a message for 30, 40 minutes about him. He doesn't care that, that these people come to the front and they pray for a few moments about their marriages or that teens or 20-somethings pray, God, please forgive me for what I did last night, Friday night. He doesn't care. What he does care about, he cares about if you and I are going to take this seriously today. He doesn't care if you hear a message about how bad he is and what he wants to do against your marriage. What he cares about is if you're going to be a real Christian, if you're going to be a real man of God, a real woman of God, because of what you see that he is doing in your life. And that's when he'll begin to start digging in. But right now, he'll hide for 30 or 40 minutes. He'll let us talk about him a little while. But here's the challenge for you. Step up. Step up because he's not playing. That's what I want to tell you this morning. He is not playing. He's here for blood. He's here for death. He's here for destruction. He's in your marriage to destroy. If you just walk out this door and you don't think about this message anymore and nothing changes tomorrow, nothing changes next Friday night, the devil doesn't care that I can preach on him every Sunday. He doesn't care. But this morning, I want to introduce you to the real dark night. You know what he looks like? Anybody, you know what his picture is? You know? Uh, not, no, it's not Batman, okay? That, that's who we're playing off a little bit. It's not Batman. It's not Osama bin Laden or this guy in the top right corner. Some of you don't know him. Some of you younger ones don't know him because he's been in jail for a long time, thank God. Or, or Hitler. I mean, yeah, Definitely, he was a dark prince, but he is not the real dark knight. Or, or uh, this new guy that came on the scene Friday morning, James Holmes, 24 years old. We don't know. He is not the real dark knight. So, it, so it's, 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 it's this one right here, isn't it? No, nope. not that. That's not it. That's what John was telling us last week. It's not this guy, you know, the red mask, you know, and the horns and the, the tail and the pitchfork and all that. That's not the real dark knight. I want to introduce you to the real dark night. Ezekiel chapter 12, uh, 28, verse 12. God says, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, now stop right here for just a moment. 
He's talking. He says, I've got a message for the king of Tyre. Okay, now, the king of Tyre was a real man, a real person, all right? But as we read this, what you're going to see is that God's not just talking to this king, this person. He is talking to a, a spirit or a presence or another being behind this king of Tyre. And, and, and that's, that's exactly what we'll think, we need to understand today is we see these people, like the, the faces I had a few moments ago, and we see them as the demons and the, and the evil ones of this world and the ones who, who are tearing everything up uh, and the Jeffrey Dahmers, you know, and, 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 and those serial killers that we know, and, and we see them. But, but as God is saying, he's speaking to the king of Tyre, what you're going to see in the next few verses we read, you're going to see that he is speaking, you know, because he goes way back in time, way before the king of Tyre was ever even born. He is talking about a spirit that is speaking to him. And, and just like John told us last week as he brought to our attention Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we don't wrestle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against spiritual wickedness. It is against the rulers of darkness of this world. Okay, so, so understand that it's not this, and I read this week somebody talking about Hitler, about how, yeah, this, uh, you know, this dark night that I want to tell you about, he was sitting on Hitler's shoulders, whispering in his ear and telling things. No doubt that's what was happening this past Thursday night in the past several weeks or maybe months as he was making, as this young man in, in Aurora, Colorado was making this plan is that the real dark night was whispering in his ear and telling him things. So, so, so when we direct this at people, we're, mi- we're missing it. We're, we're misunderstanding that it's not that, but there's a, spirit, there's a spirit here behind it. And look, you'll see it. It's Satan. He says, you were the seal of perfection. God is talking to Satan. He, and you see this, I mean, you'll see this, right? I mean, you might not see it yet. You'll see it in the next verse. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Satan was there. King of Tyre was not. Every precious stone adorned you. And I don't even know how to pronounce all those. Jasper's about the only one I can get because, you know, because we've got a city over here named that, right? But I, I don't even know all these. Most of these can't even pronounce them. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Is what God is saying. is that when I created you, Satan... When I created you, I was creating, and I was creating all of these settings and all of these. I was building you and making you beautiful. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You of God, you walked among the fiery stones. He was created as a guardian angel. He says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Blameless. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And God says, so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. And, and if you've ever done any study of, of Satan and, and the word of God, no doubt you, have, you know that one of his original sins was pride. He got lifted up in pride. And he wanted to exalt himself above God. But the very first original sin, the very first sin that God mentions at the beginning of this verse, he says, you were filled with violence. Satan's original sin was violence. And the reason I want you to see that is, is, is when we're asking these questions, how in the world could somebody do the things that have been happening in our, in our country? How could this, this man, this 24-year-old, how could he do this? I, I'll tell you why. It's because the one that is whispering in his ear, the one who is, who, who is uh, trying to take over his heart, the one who is trying to possess his mind, is, is, is a, a violent creature. Satan is not a buddy. He's not a friend. He is a violent creature. Everything about him is violence. He, you, know, you may not see him acting in violence outright, but behind the scenes, he is acting in violence. He is a violent creature. Okay, now, 
the thing about pride, yeah, it's in the very next verse right here. Because his idol is himself. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love. God says, so I threw you to the ground. And I expose you to the curious gaze of kings. I want you to understand this. His idol is himself. That's the only thing he, that he lives for. That's all that, that Satan thinks about is himself. He's, uh, you know, you, you ever watch the, you know, crime shows or mob movies? You like some of that, you know, look at the organized crime or whatever, and they're, you know, they're all, and they kind of, you know, they kind of got a mob or a family, you know, and they live for one another. Not the devil. He doesn't have a mob. He doesn't have, you know, people that he hangs out with that he lives for and dies for and works for. He is all about himself. He doesn't have a best friend. He doesn't have a brother. He doesn't have a mom that, 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 can, that can bring his attention back to the, to the sweet side of all things that are pure and wonderful. There is no redeeming characteristic to his makeup. He is full of violence and he is proud. His idol is himself. He bows to no man. He bows to no God. He bows to no one but himself. Everything that he does is for himself. If he can get someone like this young man Thursday night to do this so that we all say, oh, the devil made him do it. And I don't mean just in the joking way, but if, if the devil can get someone to do that and, and, and then we say this about him, the devil's so powerful. It, it, that's what the devil lives for, is for us to lift him up and say that he has a lot of power. But I know, I know what happens in most Christians' lives. It's crazy to me. You know, like 80% of the people in, in our country believe in God. But only 50-something percent of them believe in the devil. I, I don't understand. I mean, and it's Christians too. Oh, well, you know, it's probably not just like, you know, that's what some of you are going to hear that in your heart as I'm preaching this message. As I'm reading to you the Scripture, some of you are going to hear in your heart, you're going to hear, well, it's really not as bad as all that. I mean, he's not really as bad as all. That's why you've got so much Scripture before you. I don't want you to hear today what Pastor Rick says about Satan. I want you to hear what God's Word says about Satan. Because the, one of the worst mistakes you can make is to believe that he's not out to destroy every single thing in your life. Because let me show you, back to the Scripture, his methods are ruthless. John, John brought us this thought last week too, John, uh, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. His methods are ruthless. He is barbarous. He doesn't care. There, there, there's, there's, there's nothing about him. I mean, Geneva Convention or any of those things. No, there's nothing about him that makes him back away and say, well, no, he's ruthless. I mean, did you look at what happened. I mean, did you just look at what happened this past Thursday night. And I mean, you know, you know the thing we, we, we've heard the last couple of days, you know, since we've gotten back in town and local news, you know, the Tuscaloosa shooting, that, that that actually probably started as revenge or something or hatred toward one person, and, and he just killed a bunch of, or, or shot up. They didn't kill anyone, but just Now listen, there's one thing to be, to be angry at a person and take vengeance, and, and I'm not saying that's good. I'm saying that's still bad. It's still wrong to take revenge, but that's one thing. But then to walk into a crowded room and just start spraying the room with bullets now, that's an entirely different thing, and that's even more, more horrible. But what's even more horrible is the report that we heard of him walking up and, and shooting point-blank range a six-year-old. I, I, mean, to, 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 I mean, how in the world could someone do this? I mean, that's the question we ask, right? Is how could you do that? You may tell you why? Do you tell you how? 
It's because there is an evil creature that is filled with violence, that lives only for himself, whose name is Satan, and who is whispering in this young man's ear, and his methods are ruthless. If you think that the devil, I mean, because here's what you're going to do. I know some of you, you're already doing this. I mean, this, it's, this is the reason the devil's not worried about this sermon. It's because you're already doing this. You're saying, well, yeah, he's messing with my kids, or yeah, he's messing with my marriage, but we'll work it out somehow. That's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that, that he's got some scruples. He wants you to believe that he has some, some rules of engagement. He wants you to believe that, that he will not do whatever it takes to destroy you. But I want you to hear his methods are ruthless. The only reason, everything that he does, the only reason is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Continue on. His execution is heartless. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Not Osama bin Laden, Jeffrey Dahmer, any of those people. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. Anyone. He doesn't have anybody in mind. Anybody will do. Whose marriage can I destroy today? Whose kid can I lead into drugs? Whose best friend can I lead into alcohol? Can I destroy today? His execution is heartless. He doesn't care if they're six years old. He doesn't care if it's little boys and little girls. He doesn't care if it's infants. He doesn't care. He is heartless in everything he does. And, 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 for, and for us to think that it's going to be all right and we just close our eyes to it and ignore it and just go on, we're fooling ourselves. We're putting everything that we love and hold dear at risk, because it also, also wants you to know his purpose is absolute because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody, anybody, to devour. His bark is not worse than his bite. He's not coming around to give you a big lick like your big dog. I don't know, you got a big yard dog, but that's not who he is. He's not coming around to just, just see how you taste. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your marriage. Your marriage, you're having problems in your marriage. I want you to understand. If you're having... If you, have a, if you have an issue in your marriage, you may think, well, it's just a little thing. I want you to understand has designs on destroying your marriage. Not on giving you an issue or two. That's the first step. You're hanging out with the wrong crowd, going to wrong places, doing some of the wrong things, seeing some things you shouldn't see, doing some things you shouldn't do, being some places you shouldn't be, all of that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, that's just the first step. You might think it's no big deal, but you understand Satan is not just trying to get you to go some of the wrong places or do some of the wrong things or hang with some of the wrong people. He wants to devour you. I'll get back to more scripture. His native language is lying. John 8, 44 says you belong to your father. Now, now he's talking to the Pharisees, okay? Here again, it's not the Pharisees so much as it's the person behind them whispering into their ear. And he says, you Pharisees? Devil sitting on your shoulder too. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your. You don't really want to do these things, but there's something inside of you that makes you want to do it. I don't want to do what I did last Friday night, but I don't know what it is. There's just something inside. Jesus is telling you right here. You don't want to do that. You, I mean, it's like Romans says, it's not convenient to do a lot of the stuff. I don't know why I'm doing it because you're listening to this father of lies. You carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
His native language is lying. I like how the NIV uh, translates that. His native language is lying. Does anybody here speak two languages fluently? Uh, yeah. Maria does. You know, I speak 1.1 languages, I think. Because <laughs> I took Spanish two, two years in high school, right? You know what I'm talking about? You know? And you, you know how to order a big taco if you ever go to Mexico, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, if I ever try to speak in Spanish, you know what I have to do? It, it takes me forever to say, to say anything because I have to think it in English, into Spanish, and then say it out and hope that I get it to you like, you know, you know what I'm saying? But I don't have to do that in English. I mean, you know, I think it, it just rolls off my tongue. Now, some of you, you really have a problem with that because there's no stopping between here and here. You think it, it just rolls right off, right? But that's the way your native language is. is you don't even have to think about it. You, I mean, once, once you have the thought of it, it just rolls out, and there's the words. I mean, I'm not thinking about each individual word that I'm telling you right now. They're just rolling out. I mean, the, 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 the messages are just kind of rolling. And you know what? That's the way the devil is. He doesn't have to think up a lie to tell you today. It's automatic for him. It's his native language. When he opens his mouth, a lie is coming out because it is his native language, the Word of God says. He, everything he does, everything he says is a lie. Some of you, let me see if I can draw this picture a little bit for you here. Now, some of you have been foolish enough to do business with people that you knew were lying to you. Now, I, I know a lot of times we really come down hard on people like used car salesmen, right? But I actually know some Christian used car salesmen, okay? And I'll give you their number if you need to buy a car, okay? Because there are some good, good ones out there. But you know what? Some of you have been foolish to go in and sit down and listen to a guy and know he was lying and still sit there and bargain with him like you think you're going to get a good deal. If he lies to you about the price, he's going to lie to you about the transmission. And the same thing with the devil. You know he's lying to you, and if he's lying to you about this, he's going to lie to you about He's going to lie to you about your friends. You know when your friends say, hey, let's go do it. You know, nobody will ever know it and all this and all this. You know what? It's a lie. Lies roll off his tongue automatically without him even thinking. Don't listen to him a minute. Go on. Deception is his character. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, Paul says, I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself, masquerades as an angel of light. He is deceptive. Everything about him, his character is deceptive. Don't entertain him for a moment. You say, well, I'd never entertain the devil. I'd, I'd never have him over to dinner at my house. Yeah, you do. You do all the time. You entertain the thoughts. You know, draw the picture for you. You get mad at your spouse, and you have a thought that you know is not right. Come on. You know, what, you know they don't really think that, but you entertain it because you're mad at them. You want to believe, yeah, yeah, they probably did do that on purpose. Even though you know they didn't, you are entertaining the devil. Don't entertain him for a moment because he's deceptive. Everything he does, he wants to deceive you. He wants you to believe something. He wants you to grasp hold of something that is not real, that is not there, that is a lie. Don't listen to him for a moment. Don't entertain him for a moment. Back to Scripture. His work is constant. John also brought this to us last week. I really appreciate John for laying out so much groundwork before I preach this this morning. Job chapter 1, verse 7, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. 
One translation says going to and fro. John told us last week, this is what Satan does. This is his thing. He's just constantly. I mean, it's, it's, it's 1 Peter 5 and 8 again, right? Going about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But this is what he does. He was roaming across the earth, to and fro, looking here, looking there, trying to figure, you know, figure something out, figure where, uh, you know what? His work is constant. He does not take days off. He does not take holidays. He does not take vacations uh, of his own. He goes on yours. Some of you say amen. You've been on those vacations from hell, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And, and, not, and not just in those ways. He goes on your vacations. While you're on vacation, he's still at work. He does not take naps. He does not sleep while you're asleep at night. Jesus said, and I, I'm I couldn't give all these scriptures to Micah. You know, I had so many here, but I had to skip some, but this one just keeps coming to my mind. It came to me in the first service. I got to throw it. It came to me here again. As Jesus reminded us, he said, you know, if the watchman or the goodman of the house or the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was going to break in, he'd have stayed awake. You know, and you need to understand, when you're asleep, the devil's not asleep. And I don't just mean physically, I mean spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. When you're asleep and you're not paying attention to what's going on in your life or your home or your kids' lives or your friends' lives, when you're not paying attention, the devil's paying attention. He's at work. He is scheming. He is planning. And so while you've, been, while you've been asleep and while you've been ignoring, while you've been, acting like, you've been acting like nothing is going on and everything's all right, the devil's been sneaking into your house. He's been sneaking in. I've heard, him, I've heard him come in. I've heard him sneak into my, my house. And I had to do something about it. Well, let me not get ahead of myself right here. His motive is hatred. Luke chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said this. Now, th- if you think about what we read in Ezekiel a little bit ago, and this is also talked about in Isaiah, okay? I mean, God's word only has to say it one time, but I mean, it's over and over and over. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning just like that. He was created. He was beautiful. He was awesome. He was wonderful. He, he was, he was uh, so beautiful in his wings and over like pipes and he made music and all this. But when wicked God cast him out of heaven and Jesus said, I saw my father. I saw him cast him out of heaven like lightning. He fell and hit the earth. You ever seen lightning fall? I mean, it doesn't fall like this, does it? it I mean, it falls. Every once in a while you might see it trickle down. But I mean, it, it fell. And, and even, even in Ezekiel, we read it just a few moments ago, and, and God was saying, I threw him down in disgrace. I, I rubbed his nose in it. I mean, it's kind of almost what he's saying. You see, his motive, Satan's motive is hatred. He hates God because God embarrassed him by casting him out of heaven, by throwing him down to the earth. He hates God for it. And he has vengeance in his mind. And in his heart. And that's his motive for doing everything that he does on this earth. He wants to destroy God's creation. And God's best creation, his most awesome craftsmanship, was you. Because you were created in God's image. When when Satan looks at you, he sees God. And he hates you. He's not going to be your buddy tomorrow. He hates you. He's not going to back off next week. He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy everything you have 
your marriage that God gave you, he wants to destroy it. Your beautiful, wonderful future that God has laid, the dreams that he had when he was forming you in your mother's womb. And all your future and all your promise and all the, the possibilities that are out there that, that God has given to you as your, as your dream and, and, and the, the possibilities. Satan wants to destroy that because that's God's dream in you. Every single thing. So, so what are we going to do with this? I'm going to preach 25 minutes now about this creature that is full of violence and, and constantly is ruthless and heartless and, and wants to destroy and wants to kill. and what, what, what can we do? How can we fight this? What, what possible remedy, what possible weapons, what possible thing can we do? How, how, how can we fight? How can we stand against such? I'm glad you asked. Let me take you back to Luke again. Jesus Jesus said. Jesus said it, so it must be important. I like the fact that somebody decided to make a red-letter edition. Because you know what that just, I mean, it's important. Jesus says, okay? Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And in case you thought this was just, you don't understand this is symbolic, and you thought he was talking about, you know, just snakes and scorpions and bugs and stuff out there in the world, in case you didn't realize that this was symbolic of Satan, he just lays it out for you here to see that I'll give you authority to trample on snakes, scorpions, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. Oh, but wait a minute, Pastor. I've been harmed. I got some harm. My marriage is suffering some harm. My reputation is suffering some harm. My friends are suffering some harm. You know why? Because you've forgotten what I'm preaching in these last 10 minutes of this message. You've forgotten that. Because there's a very powerful word at the beginning of this verse right here. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to make you strong enough to endure it. He's got, he didn't say, I'm going to help you get through it. He didn't say, I'm going to give you enough wisdom, you're going to figure out how. No, he said, I give you authority. You know what authority is? Anybody here ever had the authority to fire somebody? Yeah? I, I, I've had the responsibility. Didn't enjoy the privilege, but I've had the responsibility. And you, can I tell you something? As a child of God, you've got authority to fire the enemy in your life. Wake up and remember that he has no place in your life. He is the prince of darkness. That is not the kingdom that you live in. As a child of God, you're in the kingdom of light, Colossians 3.13 says. You're in the kingdom of God. And so Satan has no authority there. You need to stand back. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, you know, uh, Walmart down the road here? Can you imagine all the employees telling the manager today, you know what, we're not going to do it your way anymore. We're going to do it our way. And the manager says, oh, no, what am I going to do right now? Well, he can fire every one of them and lock the doors, bring somebody else in tomorrow, you know. Or he can say, well, okay, y'all do it. You know what? There's the problem. Is that's what a lot of us have done. We say, well, I don't know what to do. And we've just backed away and said, well, just, you know, I, I can't fix this. Yes, you can fix You're in authority. It's time for you to lock the doors. It's time for you to fire the devil. It's time for you to get him out of your life and say, you don't belong here. You have no authority here. Oh, man, I just thought of a young, uh, a young lady, an older lady, uh, first church we were ever, ever ministers at, uh, uh, very, very first church we were youth pastors. There was a lady got up to, to testify. We don't do that anymore because we're scared of what y'all going to say. We 
we never know. But uh, this lady got up. She wanted to test us. She said, I got to say something. She said, she said, she lived, she lived alone. You know, she said the other day I was in my kitchen and I don't remember what she's doing, cooking and preparing something. And this is, this is an older, older lady. I mean, she hobbled when she walked. She said, I was in the, she said, all of a sudden I felt a presence come in my kitchen. She said, and I recognized that the devil had slipped into my house. And I know some of y'all think, ooh, ooh, I've never heard anything like that. Well, you need to pay attention, look around you, and realize that the devil is sneaking in a lot of areas of your life. You just hadn't noticed him like this older lady had noticed him. She recognized and felt that. And she said, you know what she did? She didn't go running for her bedroom. She didn't go get the biggest Bible she could and start waving it at him. She didn't go, you know, you know what she did? She turned around to him. She said, what are you doing here? Nobody here loves you. Now get out. And she said, and he left the room. She said, I felt immediately. You know what she did? What she did is she brought the presence of the Lord into that place. She started, she started glorifying God. She brought the light into the room, and the darkness had to flee. Amen? Amen. Go, yes. Go to Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 3. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. We don't have to wage war. We don't have to go buy a big box of ammo to fight the, fight the battle that we have before us. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Coming back to that in a minute. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what? Wind power to even shut down arguments. When the devil starts telling you something that you know is a lie, you have authority to even shut down the lies. We can, even against the arguments and every pretension we demolish. Okay, there's that word at the end, at the end of verse 4, demolish strongholds. Now, I wanted to look, I, I checked on it. I didn't want to tell you that you had more power than, than the Word of God said you had to. So I checked to make sure what that Greek word was saying right there, okay? I, I looked back to because I wanted to know. That, that word says demolish strongholds. It means to Utterly destroy. Okay, so you don't, have, you don't have power to make things better. You have power to utterly destroy. And another part of that word means this. It means to overthrow. And so what it's saying is you have divine power to overthrow strongholds in your life. For some of you, the devil started, he, he pitched a tent in your backyard. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to say, mm-mm. I'm preaching now, ain't I? Because some of you, you know, it's like every day you wake up and he, there's something else on your, back, on your back porch that the devil has brought into your life. Or for some of you, he's, he's moved into your kids' rooms. He's gotten into their computers or their smartphones or into their relationships with their friends. For some of you, he's moved into your marriage. He started telling you things about your spouse or he still started telling your spouse things about you and he started messing with that and he started doing those things. You know what those are? Those are strongholds. When he begins moving in and he starts building something and at first it looks like a, just a little mound, a little molehill, but it, it'll become a mound, and then it'll become a mountain, and he'll keep growing that stronghold. But you know what you have? You have divine power to overthrow every single stronghold in your life. But what you're going to have to do, the devil's not scared of this scripture unless you put it to, unless you put it to work. You're going to have to start overthrowing the stronghold. When you see that the devil is beginning to move into your marriage, you need to overthrow that stronghold before it gets anywhere. When you start seeing the devil move into your friends and your relationships and your, and your smartphones and things, you got to, you got to overthrow that immediately. You, got, you know, and some of you are seeing this. Some of you are seeing this happen. And you know that, you know that he's beginning to move in in this way. You think, how in the world? How in the world can we fix this? Because my kids, they're, you know, 
They're being educated by this world, and I don't just mean, I don't just mean scholastic education. I'm talking about the ways of the world. You think, how, what can I do to combat this? You need to overthrow some strongholds. Some of you teens, you need to take the authority yourself because your parents aren't here today. They don't come to church. They're not praying for you. I'm sorry, I wish you had a parent praying for you. You don't have a parent praying for you like some of the kids sitting beside you. It's up to you. You've got to overthrow the strongholds. Every single day you get up, check the back door, check the backyard, check the back porch, check every place in your room, and say, well, now, as Satan got, God, show me where he is and start overthrowing some strongholds. Or some of you in your marriage, you know how it is. Your, your spouse is living in this world out there, and out there in that world, they're hearing people tell them, hey, little fling, watching TV and just the commercials between the TV shows that are somewhat wholesome to watch and they're telling your spouse, hey, little fling, it won't matter. I mean, they're still, you know, I can't tell you how many series I, I, I've, I've liked on TV that I've had to stop watching because they had to throw something like that in there. You know what? I don't need that in my marriage. Y'all need me to stay here for a little while? I can. I don't need that in my marriage. You know David has a tough enough time as I am. I don't need a whole lot of other stuff thrown in my marriage that's going to make it harder for her to live with me and harder for us to have a great, strong marriage. I need to overthrow some strongholds because her co-workers, she's not working outside the house. I'm talking about maybe your wife. Her co-workers or his co-workers or, or TV shows or whatever are throwing stuff into their, into their mind and in their heart. And I need to do something to overthrow the strongholds that are being built there. i, I got to quit. i got to hurry. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, last scripture here we're finishing. Jesus says, Jesus, Jesus says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. We're not going to argue here. This isn't about Peter. This isn't about the rock. What the rock, it doesn't even matter. That doesn't matter. Here's what matters. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Not against the rock, against the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Well, that's all good on Sunday morning while I'm here at church. This ain't the church. This building's not the church. We're not talking about the gates of hell cannot prevail against these four walls right here. You are the church. You are the church. You are, what this scripture is saying is God is going to build you on a rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Somebody needs to say, wait a minute. There's a stronghold growing in my marriage the gates of hell will not prevail against my marriage. Some of you need to say, wait a minute, strongholds are starting to grow in my life? The gates of hell will not prevail in my life. Some of you, your kids are beginning to get a little rebellious, or maybe they're already prodigals and they're already gone. You need to say, the gates of hell will not prevail against my life. You need to remember. You need to remember who you are. You are a child of the kingdom of light. You are not a child of the kingdom. And he has no authority anymore. You need to start living like that. You need to start acting. You need to start walking like you are a child of the king of light. You need to start preaching that to yourself as you're walking through your house. You need to start praying like you are a child of the kingdom of light. You need to start talking and walking it and, and praying it and believing it every single day that you live. If you don't, the devil don't care that you heard a message today. Stand with me, if you will. Come on, Jamie, if you will. Prayer team, come on. Just before, you, just before everybody else heads this way, let me say one more thing. I'm going to ask you a question. Just before I invite everybody else to come down. 
Man, it's hot up here. How many of you know where a stronghold is beginning to be built in your life somewhere? That, that doesn't mean you're in sin. It means the devil is beginning to worm his way into your life. How many of you know there's a stronghold beginning? To go, raise your hand. Come on. How many of you? Go ahead. Just say, I know, I know, I know. Step out. Come on, right now. You raise your hand. Come on, right now. Let somebody pray with you. I want everybody to come. But if you, I want everybody. Come on, everybody come. We're all coming like we normally do. But if you raised your hand, you know where the stronghold is? Come down here and grab hold of one of these prayer team members and say, I know where the stronghold is. Help me pray against it right now. Come on. Come on. If you raised your hand a moment ago, you know where the stronghold is. Step forward. Grab a hold of a prayer team member's hand and say, I know where the stronghold is. Help me pray against it right now. Help me challenge it right now. Help me overthrow the stronghold. Help me utterly destroy the stronghold. Help me demolish. Help me defeat. Help me kill what Satan is trying to kill in me. Jamie's going to sing a final, lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. Just before you start singing, Jamie, let me say this. This song we're about to sing, there's something in it. God spoke this to me while, while we were singing. And you know, here's part of the problem. For those of you who aren't praying yet, you're, you're waiting on me to help you pray just here in a second. Here's part of the problem. It, we, th- this song talks about heaven and earth becoming one. We need to quit living like God is in heaven. We need to quit walking our days like God is somewhere in heaven. We need to start walking around and act, living our lives and acting like God is right here where God says He is within us. We need to realize that He makes heaven and earth become one through us, and it's in us. He's already here. Tomorrow, you need to walk through your life and pull down strongholds because He is right there. He is not in heaven somewhere. He is not on a cross. He is not in a tomb. He is out of you every single day. And you need to start living like that. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Pray with me right now.